1: Here's your host, John Chapman. What is going on, faithful? It is absolutely incredible to be with you on this Sunday. Uh, Man, we are so close. Three sleeps, a wake-up, we're there. That's all that there is. Go to bed, it's Monday. Go to bed Tuesday. Go to bed Wednesday. Then it's draft day. Um, We are going to be with you guys, as we have said, uh, days one and two of the NFL draft. We're going to be nonstop coverage, live coverage giveaways galore got a brand new giveaway up over on twitter facebook wherever it is you follow us we have it there it's a brand new brandon Ayuk the white jersey um it's gonna be awesome so uh, if you haven't participated in that one all you have to do retweet or like the original post um if it's facebook you like it and if it's twitter you retweet it and then you follow us on here that's easy uh, if, you, if you're if you not following us on YouTube yet, you got to get over there because that's where we're going to be covering the draft. Uh, we're going to be live. It's going to be fun. even posted a 49ers Rush podcast drinking game uh, just in case, you know, the number three pick doesn't go the way you want. <laughs> we're going to have a way to get around that, and we're still going to have a good time regardless. Uh, we've had bad draft picks in the past. We're going to talk a little bit about that today, um, and we're going to go over rumors. We're going to go over ranking the position group of the 49ers. Moving into the draft, what that looks like, what groups are elite, which ones are average which ones are good which one need work plus some q a we've got so much stuff and I do have to give a real quick shout out to BD Peacock uh, if you guys listen, listen to the locked on uh, 49ers podcast it's one of the best ones out there. Uh, he helped me with some technical issues this week so I just want to say thank you to that guy good man, good human being knows his 49ers knows his football just a great guy so let's do this first. The 49ers have a new addition and I really like this guy. I'm pretty excited about him. Um yeah, he, I was a big fan whenever, you know, we were just now starting to get to the point of, you know, getting this guy as a possible draft guy. The problem was we couldn't, you know, the the heart condition. So we're talking about Maurice Hurst. He was a 5th round pick from Michigan. Uh, Went to the Raiders in 2018, and he played absolutely awesome. He was by far their best or one of their best defensive players, and man, it it went really, really well for them. The problem was, it's just the freaking Raiders. (laughs) You look at what he's been able to accomplish, I don't know why they moved on from him. It doesn't even make sense. You know, if you're just looking, again, we're talking about defensive tackle, Maurice Hurst. If you just look at the pro football focus scores, which I know it's just a snapshot. It's not everything. But if you look at those scores, he was their number one rated player in 2020. He was the second rated player in 2019. He was the fourth rated player in 2018. Now, his rookie year was incredible, and it kind of went down after that. His snap counts kept going down. But he had four sacks his rookie year. You know, I put up over on the Patreon, $40Rush um, on patreon.com. I, I did a little quick film study on him. He's good. So if you want to see some film on him, you go back through, you love him. He would have been a second or first round pick in the 2018 draft, but the problem was, again, that heartbeat that got found at the combine. Now, you know, we don't have that this year handful of players were able to go through some medical checks before the draft in Indianapolis this year, but not near as many. And so that's problematic. But what Maurice Hurst does is he gives us the, – the player comparison really isn't there, so I, I apologize for this because he, he's not the same player. But he's a DeForest Buckner type, okay? It, what do I mean by that? He's a big dancing bear. He's not a power anchor like Javon Kinlaw. That's not what he does. He's a sideline, finesse, uh quick swim move type of a defensive tackle that gets a lot of big plays in pursuit and all about effort. You know, whatever. I was going through his film, I just kept typing in effort, effort, goes all out. And you know, he's a guy that's going to rotate in. 6'1, 292. We're talking about Maurice Hurst here. Ran a 498 40, 29 bench press reps. And when you watch him play, you see right off the bat, he's got so much upper body strength. Doesn't miss tackles. If he gets his paws on you, it's done. That's just what it is. Um, And, you know, some of his athletic profiles or athletic comparable players, Mike Daniels, Timmy Jernigan, Dominic Easley. So that type of defensive tackle. Not an anchor. Okay, played almost exclusively in the three tech um, throughout his year, and I think that's what he's going to be. So he'll come in in our Bravo unit, and now he now we have a lot of competition. You know, we're, we're going to go over all of the different players and kind of who starts where and what that looks like at the end of the episode today. But you now have an open competition for that backup three technique. Kevin Givens has been that guy. You know, he had a little bit of had the assault charge. We'll have to see what happens there, but. You're going to have Maurice Hurst versus Kevin Givens for that backup number three. And whoever wins, whoever loses, I don't care. We're going to have the best back, third string three tech in, in the NFL. And this just goes with what the 49ers front office wants to do. They want players that are going to be all out on defensive line. And they want as much depth as possible. We saw last year. The 49ers defense was still a top 10 defense, top five in some metrics, despite all the injuries, because of the depth at D line. You lost Bosa, right? You lost a couple other guys in there at the defensive tackle spot, but it didn't matter because we had guys like Kerry Hyder. We had guys step up, you know, Eric Armstead, Iron Man, playing all the plays, didn't have an elite season, but still had a good season. You had a lot of guys stepping up. And so what you're doing is you're filtering, right? You're giving yourself as many chances just in case injuries happen again. It's the NFL. Who cares? We're moving on. (laughs) We're going to play. And I tell you what, we're not going to have an issue at the defensive tackle position. Last year, Contavious Street, who I'm not the biggest fan of, I, I, I think he got way too many snaps. This year, it's, it's, it's going to be pretty hard for him to see the field or make the roster. I really just, it's going to be tough, especially with the addition of, you know, Maurice Hurst. He's just an absolute stud. Really, really excited to see what he does with Chris Kuserek. Uh He already has all-out effort. He already has all-out energy. Let's coach him up a little bit. Again, he's a hell of a player. So, again, if you want to check that out, head over to Patreon. Hell of a player. Really, really like this guy. Now, a couple questions that I want to get to, and I know I'm seeing the stuff. We're tired of talking QBs. I get it. But we got to talk a little bit about this. Um, let's talk about some QBs. Kyle said in the post-trade press conference, this comes from Casey on Twitter. about Kyle Shanahan. After they made the trade in the press conference, he said he was really comfortable with three QBs. I just put this clip back up on Twitter. I don't have it loaded here, but if you need to go back, we played it in a previous episode, basically saying he was comfortable with three QBs. Now, Casey, he assumes that's Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. They're definitely a one-two, so who's that third guy? The press keeps saying it's Mac Jones. Mac Jones, Mac Jones, Mac Jones. Vegas is now saying Mac Jones. What the hell? And this—I love this question. What the hell does Mac Jones have in common with Zach Wilson, and Trevor Lawrence? If we we like, <laughs> if if we like Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, how do you say Mac Jones is like them? He's not. Um, he's not. It, 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 it's it's what it is. It, it's absolutely not the same thing. And so you you have to get creative, and this is where you start doing those mental aerobics. Because you're going to have to play around and say, all right, this guy, that guy, uh, well, he's like it in this area. and This is the whole Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan. Well, he's similar to them. That's why we think that is. But I'm with you. Now, l- let's talk about Mike Silver. Because let me just say this. By far one of my favorite media personalities. Uh, amazing coverage. I think that he does actually real great reporting consistently. I love Mike Silver. His comments came out, and you know, I'll wrap it up. It was, long. It was a long thread, about eight to nine uh, tweets on there. Let me give you just a couple of quotes. And this question comes from Jared on Twitter. I'll try to get a little bit more Twitter questions, spice it up a little bit more. The question was this. Do we value Mike Silver's comments more than others? The simple answer is yes, 100%. Mike Silver's one of the best out there. However, you have to read what he actually said here's the quote okay Uh, blending several tweets together all of these are quotes from mike silver quote it is my belief talking for mike silver that the niners were targeting when they traded up mac jones they did some extra digging into fields and lance i'd expect in all likelihood that he stays talking about mac jones his original inclination and picks mac jones He, he ends it with again not a report just telling you what I perceive to be going on, end quote. Um, and he said in this, he didn't talk to Kyle Shanahan. He talked to others in the 49ers organization, didn't talk to Kyle Shanahan. Now, other reports are out there saying nobody in the organization knows who the pick is going to be, that they had sit-downs, they had a lot of live discussion over the three quarterbacks, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Wilson, but only Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch know who the pick is going to be, and they're not even telling anybody else in the organization who it's going to be Uh, shanahan's so damn secretive (laughs) that dude i mean he's just one of those people that just every single day he just he doesn't like leaks he doesn't like other people knowing he waits to the last minute to promote practice squad players to do waivers all those he's the last minute guy because he sees it as a strategical uh, uh, just a small advantage he's going to get it all and so that's kind of what he wants to do, and it's the same with this pick. Who, who, who are you smoke screening? <laughs> who are you hiding from? It, that that's kind of the thing. Like it, it's rough because, uh, yeah, it, it's it's hard. But this is kind of the guy he is. He's one of those guys with tin foil on his hat, on his head, because he wants to make sure everything is one hundred percent kosher. Everything is in his control. So. Maybe there are some 49ers people out in there from the organization say, man, he really likes Mac Jones. He really likes Mac Jones, which might be true. Will that be the pick? I don't know. I hope it's not. But I could say this about Mac Jones. And I want to spend a little bit of time. Went back through and uh, shout out to Chris Jones, Christopher Jones. He says, new member to the Patreon. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate the support. Uh, That's why we're able to do all these giveaways, uh, live broadcasts and all that stuff. It helps out a lot, so thank you so much. Uh, He's from Alaska. What's up, man? His question is this. Defensive scheme's going to look like with Ryans as our DC. I think it's going to look the exact same. He's talking about D'Amico Ryans being promoted from linebackers coach to DC when Robert Sala left. I really don't think that they're going to be much different, but we will probably blitz more. It's hard to blitz less. Now, Robert Sala started blitzing more towards the end of the year when we had so many injuries. He was just manufacturing pressure, but we were one of the fewest blitzing teams in the NFL. If you go back to the 2019 tape, I just doubt you could plug any other person besides Sala in there. Very vanilla. Uh, but the system worked. So I think we will blitz more. I I really, really do, and I think that's going to help out Dre Greenlaw. I think it's going to help out Fred Warner. Put our secondary on a little bit more of an island, but it increases turnovers, and I think that's one of the things that we got to do. So Patreon, you know, I put up a Mac Jones video this morning, got up bright and early, before the sun actually, um, and did another tape on Mac Jones by request. (laughs) And if you've seen one game of Mac Jones, you've seen them all. He's so damn consistent. You know, keep in mind, I have a first-round grade on Mac Jones. He's the number 21 player on my big board, so late first. He's the—I only have 22 first-round picks graded this year. Um, the rest fall into the second-round category. Aziz Ojolari is my last—he's my number 22 player, and I have Mac Jones, number 21. He's a hell of a player. If Mac Jones goes to the 49ers, the 49ers get better. There's no doubt about that. I don't have a problem with picking Mac Jones. I do have a problem trading three firsts and a third and picking Mac Jones. That's the issue whenever you still have some guys that I see as elite, um, the top five players on my big board, top six anyway, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, maybe Zach Wilson is there, whatever else. But I thought I'd play another clip for you because, again, I get the Mac Jones hate, and I might be one of the driving people that's putting that out there. But understand this, and we're going to talk a little bit about this. Mac Jones is a hell of a football player. He had one of the greatest statistical seasons all year. And when you get into the questions, yeah, he's playing with an all-stars team. He goes down to the senior bowl without all of his you know, first-round talent surrounding him, and he struggled big time um, and did not look good at all. That's a question. But there is still the upside. So here's a, qu- a quick clip on Mac Jones. The dude's good. <laughs> he's really, really good. Here we go. And again, perfect timing right here. Look at this deep ball. This is what you get with him. Timing, anticipation, and accuracy. He's not a guy that's going to throw a rope. That's not not his game. But he's got to put the ball in a place where his guy can go and get it every single time. Accuracy, top notch. And you say, oh, well, he's just throwing to first round wide receivers. This ain't a first round wide receiver. And you see the ball placement. I mean, he puts it right on the back shoulder, recognizes the blitz, stays in the pocket, gets hit. And look where he puts it, right on the outside shoulder of the wide receiver. So the wide receiver can get it just fine. Um, The DB has no shot at this ball. I mean, look at this. Outside shoulder exactly where you want to, even if it's incomplete or if you overthrow it, it's safe. The kid can play. There's no doubt about it. Now, the questions are, is he ever going to have this good of an offensive line? Is he ever going to have this good of a wide receiving core? Is he ever going to have that (laughs) great of a running back? Those are questions. And, you know, Mac Jones, he's not one of the guys that's being considered a first-round pick quarterback. Now, I did that video breakdown before the trade. And so, again, that last line in that clip, that's part of a 45-minute breakdown. I just pulled a little snippet out of it from Patreon. He wasn't. He was on the fringe. Everybody was talking about how there's four QBs and somebody might trade back up into the end of the first round for Mac Jones. Well, what changed from then to now? The 49ers made the trade. All of a sudden, Chris Simms comes out talking about Mac Jones, Kyle Shanahan, and it's just blown up since then. Now, I see the comments. Scott, it seems only 2% of 49ers fans actually want Jones at 3. Man, yeah, it's, it's low, and I'm not part of those 2%. But what does this mean? What do we do if Mac Jones is, in fact, the pick? <laughs> what do you do? You, what does faithful mean? You know, I put this tweet out there, and I got some flack for it. I don't care. Faithful then, faithful now. Like, that is, again, Chris. I see Chris Save. Hawaii, 49ers faithful. He puts it in there. I love it. We are loyal to a team. We're not loyal to a pick. You're not loyal to a coach. You're not loyal to anything. So, do I want Mac Jones at three? Hell no, I don't. And that's okay. Can I hate that pick? Can I criticize the pick? Can I be pissed off? Can I do a shot of tequila or three or four (laughs) during the draft when that happens? Yeah. But does that mean that you root against the team? No. That's not faithful. We're not Seahawks fans. Come on. We stay with the team. We've been through a hell of a lot worse than Mac Jones. <laughs> we've had Miller. We've had, oh, man, A.J. Jenkins. Yuck. Oh, it hurts to say his damn name. Um, we, we've had a lot of bad pick. Twan Ballmer. You can go on and on. You get through those times. The problem, and I think so much of the hate that's there, is because the 49ers were on the cusp of greatness just one short year ago, and we lost it because of an elite-level quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, came and took it from us. Um, and our quarterback play was bad. And why was our quarterback play? wasn't mobile, uh, did have a great arm, did take deep shots, whatever else. So you're, you're, you're trying to replace the piece that half the fan base sees cost us the Super Bowl with a guy that's a spinning image, less attractive of Elise, of course. And that hurts. And it's just it, it, we can't make the connection. But I'm not saying it's Mac Jones. I still believe it's going to be Trey Lance. However, we are faithful. And what the hell that means, how do we end this episode? I think we're on episode like 374 or something like that. Every single time, how do we end this episode? How do we, every single episode, we end it the same way. Stay strong, faithful. That's what that means. We're not the Seahawks. Their fans go back to Russell Wilson and that's it. Some people that live in Seattle, or Washington, whatever. Yeah, definitely some people. But that's, that's not our fan base. Now, here's my question. What does it mean for Kyle Shanahan if he picks Mac Jones? A lot of red flags there. And here's the worst thing that's going to happen. And you could argue it might not matter who they pick. Even if they pick uh, Wilson or you know Zach Wilson if he falls, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, doesn't matter. The issue and the question of Kyle Shanahan goes back to his very first draft, Solomon Thomas. And it's not so much that Solomon Thomas was so bad. That's not, Solomon Thomas was a huge bust in and of itself, but he contributed, started, you know, played sparingly backup role for four years, got a second contract over $3 million. Like he's fine, he's fine. The problem isn't Solomon Thomas, the problem is context. Because you chose to not have a quarterback, you didn't have a quarterback, you had Brian Hoyer, not even to look into Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. I was real low on uh, Patrick Mahomes. You know, I watched him in the Big 12. He was awful. He would lose games by himself. But the ceiling was there. Deshaun Watson, on the other hand, I was as high as can be. I had a first, he was my number one player on my big board. Everybody loved Deshaun, whatever else, doesn't matter. But the idea is this. You didn't even choose to scout those guys because you were hoping for Kirk Cousins, who's a single, he's a layup at best. And and so that that hurts because you're comparing Solomon Thomas to the best player in the NFL, which is Patrick Mahomes at the most important position, largest contract. Second, you know, Deshaun Watson off the field stuff. I get it. That's a concern. You could throw that in there. That's fine. But man, you chose a terrible prospect. A lot of people were hiring Solomon Thomas. You never know what's going to happen in the draft, whatever. But you missed out on two of the top five quarterbacks, period. Now you jump to a place where you have an option to go get somebody. And again, let's say they pick Mac Jones and he's good. It's the Alex Smith versus Aaron Rodgers thing. Alex Smith is great. He took three separate teams to the playoffs. I mean, he's he's a good quarterback, but he ain't Aaron Rodgers. He never was Aaron Rodgers. He wasn't before the draft. He wasn't during the draft. He wasn't after the draft. And so, are we repeating past mistakes? And so, here's my question, okay? And this is my hypothetical. And I I feel like I'm a pretty positive guy. So, I'm not trying to be out there and negative and whatever else. That's not what I'm trying to do at all. But if Kyle really does want McCorkle, and they go ahead and pick him, and if Trey Lance or Justin Fields goes after him and balls out for any team, now... You've got the fan base that's going to be pissed off. They're going to be pissed off whether Mac Jones is great or not. They're going to be mad. But if one of those guys goes out and becomes a top five quarterback, which I guarantee you one of them will. I'm not sure who. I like them both. I don't think Shanahan's job will be in question. I think now you've got to get into the question of dynamic in the front office. That's got to be questioned. Because Kyle missed out already. You know, strike one, missed out on Mahomes. Strike two, you can call that whatever, whether that's Tom Brady, whether that's, you know, Sean Watson, however you want to call it, I don't care. This is a huge strike three. If one of the two people you don't pick becomes what we think they can be, you've got to have a general manager that can tell the head coach no. And we don't have that right now. Kyle Shanahan calls the shots. Make no mistake. John Lynch has some pool. I'm not saying that, but... If this plays out that way where they do pick Mac Jones, Mac Jones is average to good, but one of those other guys becomes a top five quarterback, you've got to get a new GM that's going to say no to the coach. I understand you've got Bill Belichick, whatever else, and he's missed on a lot of quarterbacks, but that doesn't work very often. And maybe Kyle's just... The greatest coach that there is. You know, and like what I'm trying to say is, we all want Kyle Shanahan as our coach. He's a hell of a coach. He's a top five play caller, minimum. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. But there are some questions. You have to start raising questions. If this is the pick and one of those other guys falls out, he missed it again. Not only did he miss it, he traded up for all those things. Um, again, I'm pretty against, you know, firing people and all those things. I'm just saying that is going to be the narrative. You know, whether it's Twitter or whatever, I don't really care. And I'm pretty sure Kyle Shanahan does, you know, he doesn't care what fans want. He's very, very arrogant. (laughs) If you need that in a coach, I get that. But we'll have to see what happens. It raises questions. And those are some things that I think we got to talk about. Um, Mac Jones is good. He makes the 49ers better. I, I really do believe it. I think if we had Jimmy Garoppolo and Mac Jones... Last year, as our two quarterbacks, I think we go to the playoffs. You put Mac Jones into Nick Mullen's spot. We go to the playoffs last year. I truly do believe that um but if you put you know Mac Jones in the Super Bowl game, do we win the Super Bowl? I don't think so. I don't know. uh we'll have to see. They haven't taken a snap yet, but these are the questions that roll around in this you know uh noggin of mine and we're going to have to see. We're getting close. We're getting close. So let's get to a couple more questions, and um, I I like it. I I saw a lot of questions in the chat. I've got a lot prepared already for you guys, so, again, if you tag me, that would be helpful. Uh, Scott, uh, I saw this posted earlier today. Scott said, did you read the article about Denver wanting Jimmy Garoppolo and possibly a draft day trade? Yeah, I think Jimmy Garoppolo would be a good fit, but what what are you going to take from him? Their second round pick, like, one, I don't understand why they would do that. Whenever you look at what the Broncos covet, it's a deep, passing, strong, powerful arm, big guy. That's not what they are. They do have pick 40. Uh, There's no way in hell you're getting pick nine for Jimmy Garoppolo. If you could get pick nine, you do that trade right now. I would offer Jimmy Garoppolo in our second for that nine. Still not going to happen. He doesn't fit what they want. So maybe Denver is a backup plan where they could offer next year's two or something like that. But again, I don't care who we draft, whether it's Mac, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson. I don't want a rookie to start. <laughs> I know I'm one of the few people in this camp, but I don't want that. I do not want a rookie to start. I want a rookie to sit at least till the bye week. We don't know when the bye week is going to be. I think they're releasing the um, what's it called? The uh, schedule May 13th or 14th. So I do not want a rookie to start, period. I want Jimmy Garoppolo to start, and I know I'm in the minority there, and people are like, oh, you free up so much draft capital, whatever else. The trade market will be greater for Jimmy Garoppolo next year, no matter what. If Jimmy Garoppolo goes out there and just plays average for two games and we make the switch, guess what? Quarterback market's going to be better next year. Everybody already has a stopgap player. Won't be the case. Won't be the case. At the end of next year, there's a lot of one year quarterbacks, kind of mercenaries that are out there. So, would I like to trade Jimmy Garoppolo to <laughs> the Broncos for a top 40 pick? Yes. And again, I've said that's my cutoff. If you give me a top 50 pick, I'll entertain the idea. But if you trade away Garoppolo, you got to bring back a veteran. I am not starting a rookie. I don't care who they are, week one. Not doing it. Um that's just where I stand. I don't think they have to sit the whole year. That's not what I'm saying at all. I think they need to go through training camp, preseason, all those things, looking with a different perspective. That is what is important to me, and I think it's better for the the quarterbacks. You kind of look at the quarterbacks that are having success in the NFL. That's where it's at. I really do think that's what it is. Uh, Mr. Superfly, are you glad now we didn't draft Wilson with the allegations against him? Yeah, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Um... You know, Wilson's a top three quarterback for me in the NFL. With what's happened, I've read through a lot of the stuff. I don't want to put my things. I haven't interviewed anybody, but I've just read the stuff that's out there. I'm just going to stay away from that one. Uh, but, yeah, if he's guilty, get that dude out of there for sure. Uh, but, yeah, he, yeah, he's done as much good off the field as any other player in the NFL. But this is a big-time thing. We'll just have to wait and see. Let's see, Marco. Have you compared C.J. Beathard to Mac Jones College shape They are not even close to the same human being. C.J. Beathard takes hits like a champ, has a much stronger arm, um, is probably more mobile than Mac Jones, played in a super pro system, one read, kind of whatever. Mac Jones, exact opposite. Uh, Moves around a lot and gets the ball at quickest release. He's got a quicker release than Jimmy Garoppolo does, Mac Jones does. And nobody ever touched him he i can't I watched the entire l s u game and one guy got a hand on him once one guy got a hand he's plays behind the best offensive line probably in college football in the past twenty years uh mac jones so it's it's almost impossible never plays under center does not have a strong arm at all um but process quick quick release so quick 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 that's mac Jones. DJ Beathard, everything's in slow motion. He'll take five hits before he decides where to throw the ball. So very, very different there. I have a first round grade on Matt, guys. Um I mean that that's where I have him. Doesn't mean I like him, but that's where it is. Now let's jump to the let's jump to the second round. I, I like this conversation. This question came from Niner uh Dan one Sr. What's up? Appreciate the question. He said, who are some of the targets at 43? reasonable ones only obviously if somebody falls but again a couple of these guys we've talked about you know a lot i have my own draft crushes you guys know who they are by now but again like if you were asking me like man you could guarantee get this player in the second round who would be your first choice i'm telling you right now it's creed humphrey that's my guy it just makes too much sense you know he he's one of the he's the most athletic center in the history of college football since they've had the combine to come out. Uh, now you could say well he's off pro day numbers that's fine you could talk him a little bit and say he's a top five most athletic center of all time to ever come out into the NFL. I love this guy he plays right guard for us until Max is done then he moves to center and man it, I'm telling you right now Creed Humphrey's incredible wrestler his whole entire life he was the state runner up in 5a I love wrestlers Uh, you know I I trained MMA for a while in uh, high school and college and grad school and I, I could hold my own I was all right But man, anytime I went up against somebody with a wrestling background, I got my rear end kicked, man. So I have an affinity for people that wrestle. They're just different. They're just, they understand, they move different, all those things, and they're all mean as hell. And that applies to Creed Humphrey. So I got a real quick clip from you. I love this guy, 6'4", 302. He just has every single thing that you want. He had a 33-inch vertical. 29 bench press reps this dude is mean but here's a quick clip for creed humphrey and he's so good it and i hate OU, you but he's so good it's up oh oh pancake gotcha let's go number 95 he's getting tired of the freaking slant move they keep doing stays with them and just drives them i mean he does not like those slants uh, the slanting d line so what do you do fine go ahead you want to slant across my face? Come on, buddy. Gotcha. You're mine now. Boom. At pancake number three or four this game. Did you know that you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks? You can turn $10 into a 1000 with basketball, hockey, college basketball entries today on prize picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. And here's what's great. Yeah, that was the game tape against Ross Blacklock, um, 2019 film. You remember, Ross Blacklock was the second round pick, and he just he owned him the whole time. Um, so I think that's one thing. Again, if I'm picking a quarterback, which they are at three, why not create the situation where they can have the most success possible? And that's perfect. O line, I think we have a great O line. Um, you make this pick, I think we have an elite O line, and so that's huge. Now corner. Uh, that's another huge position of need. We have our three starters. Uh, I like our three corners. We have nothing after that. So we don't have a first round pick next year. We traded that away. We don't have a first round pick in 2022 or 2023. Traded that away. So you're not going to be addressing corner with you know elite talent anytime in the future. So again, my question is, at pick 43, a realistic option of falling. Asante Samuels Jr. I really, really like this kid. He's hell of a player. You know, smaller, 5'10, 180. But when you watch him play, you do not have an issue, an issue at all with what's going on, you know, upfield because he plays big time. That's just what he does. And so I think Asante Samuel Jr. is another guy that you could just go and you plug in and he's going to be just fine. He can play outside, he can play inside, shut down Diami Brown, one of the best vertical threats in college football. He shut him down. And, you know, he's just, he's different. He's just a different player. You love the attitude. Jair Alexander, I know that's probably a bad comp, but man, it just shows up on film. I like Jair. I was worried about his size. Turns out it translated very well in a very similar scheme. Um, You know, with what they do at Green Bay. So I, I like him. I like him a lot. Another guy, Edge, again, pay attention to the positions because these are the positions of need that I think we'll go after. You know, number three, Joe Tryon, edge rusher, Washington, a lot of people's favorite guy. And, man, it's very, very simple to see why. You see the guy? He is an absolute freak. Um, he is mean. Jacked up. He's exactly what you draw an edge to look like. 6'5", 259, ran a 4'6", 82-inch wingspan, length, size, distance. Jacked. I mean, he is huge. So here's a quick clip from the Washington edge rusher. Man, he's fun. I've got an early second round grade on him. He could be there. And man, the 49ers, we know their front office. They freaking want every edge player, D lineman, that's ever played. Joe Tryon fits perfectly. Oh, Treyon, tryon getting in there. Let's see the, the let's see the speed to rush right here. Uh, again, six five, two fifty nine. The heck is that tackle doing? Something ain't right with his leg. Made him pay for it, tackle. I don't know what he's doing. First step gets off and just gets to the edge. That's too easy. I, I don't understand what this tackle's doing. Like he like tripped himself or something. Dude had no shot. Try not just freaking blazing past him. He's not even known for being a top tier speed guy. Yeah, he he's got a good first step, but man, he just gets behind the weight behind his shoulder pads. And, you know, you can kind of see the bend here, but it's much more, it's not so much a flexibility issue. That's not the strength to try on. It's just power through the point of contact. So, not quite a bull rush either, but it's, you're, you're seeing, you don't see the bend that you usually like. It's much more of a power slash speed move. And it worked perfectly there. He's one of those guys that just imposes himself on the tackle or guard or whoever he goes against. He's he's more physically gifted than anybody he goes against. And he just, man, so strong. Not a lot of production. You know, he opted out 2020. We get that. He had nine sacks in 2019. Like that. But man, it, it's much more of a you see him and you go, that's what I want a defensive end to look like. Exactly how you draw. Like if it's a Madden created character, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he looks. And has a lot of very Bosa-like build to him. His his game's not like Bosa. Bosa's a technician with power and speed and great first step. Um, he doesn't have the technician part down to his game at all. And he doesn't have the bend that Bosa does. But he does have, I mean, literally, they, they could wear the same uniform. Uh, their bodies are built very, very similarly. Uh, dude's jacked. So that's Joe Tryon. Another guy that's rising up draft boards. Gotta talk about him. Daniel Jeremiah just put this guy as his number four wide receiver. I love Daniel Jeremiah at Move the Sticks. He does a great job. Um, but this is Elijah Moore, wide receiver old Miss, man. They have been a wide receiver factory. Obviously, A.J. Brown, uh, you know, you've got, you know, big guy DK, all that stuff. But Elijah Moore, he doesn't fit that mold. He's 5'9", 178. He's small little guy, but he ran a 4.35, and he had a 6.63 cone. That is bonkers. So if you're talking shifty, change of direction, all those things, he's got in spades, 36-inch vertical, over a 10-foot broad jump, explosive, explosive, explosive. Now he's smaller, and I get that. But Elijah Moore, man, again, focusing on positions here. Wide receiver's a need. You want a quarterback, a young quarterback to have success? What happens if you put him in there, and you've got two stud wide receivers in Debo? And I what if one goes down again? Both went down for parts last year the Offense stalls. You can't do that Got to get some elite talent over there and we know Kyle Shanahan likes spending, you know draft capital at the wide receiver position So here's a clip Elijah Moore. He can do it all. He started this game mind you I think he had the first five touches <laughs> in this game. They put him at running back They put him at wide receiver out wide uh, slot, kick return, he does everything. He is just, he does a little bitty Mighty Mouse, does it all. Where, you know, you motion him out or something like that, but you're not just gonna line him up outside. That's just not really what he does. But very, very nice, you know, sells it deep. Look at the catch, good lord. Let's see it from the other angle here. You see the body control. He doesn't, he doesn't drop anything. Contested catches too. Another thing that stands out with Elijah Moore had 11 contested catches uh, 73% contest catch rate. Ooh, look at that. Tell me, I mean, that's an NFL catch. Dragging, body control. Yeah, he's 5'9". But you look at the hands, you look at the understanding, the body control, which continues to show up on his film. This kid can play in the league now. The problem is the upside. You know, a comparable that's been thrown out there is a faster Cole Beasley. There's a role for this guy in the NFL, but is he going to be one of the, man, you just look at that. that That's just so beautiful. Is he going to be a guy that's going to be taking the top off of defenses and, you know, have 30 yard gains, things like that. I don't think that's really who he is. And I mean, he's, I get it. And I saw the comment, you know, under six foot wide receivers get hurt too easily. I get all those things. But this draft has a lot of these types of guys, and we need a wide receiver three. We need that slot guy. We, KB was that, and he was taller. I think Kyle Shanahan would love to have you know a big old guy like Jalen Hurd. Eh, that didn't pan out. Juwan Jennings, that didn't pan out. We saw them draft Trent Taylor. Elijah Moore's Trent Taylor on steroids in every way, shape, and form. He would make this offense better. He would start the very first game of the season. There's no doubt about that. Um, so I, I like the fit. You know, I have a late second round grade on Elijah Moore. I like him. Uh, the size is a concern though. There's no doubt about that. Uh quick question from John on Facebook. What is up? We're streaming live on Facebook now. At Niners Rush uh is our page at Niners Rush, N-I-N-E-R-S Rush. We're streaming live there. Uh, you know, 40 hours podcast. We we always trying to step up our game a little bit. He asked this um man if we let jimmy go we could get quarterback from green bay that is what i think i think that that's a possibility they have a lot of quarterbacks over there i don't think you can get jordan love uh, but yeah it, you've got to get somebody gardner Minshew, i think would be the best fit john uh, that's who i would want personally so let's say you get a second for jimmy well now you're gonna have to turn around and trade a fourth or a fifth to get you know gardner Minshew. so you do free up a lot of cap that would be the biggest save but again our roster is set. We have enough money in our salary cap currently to sign every single free agent, or sorry, every single draft pick and extend Fred Warner. I don't know what else we need money for. You know, I think we'll continue with some of these signings where we're signing league minimum, vet minimum deals. I think that's what we'll do. And so I think that's what we're going to stay with. Um, you know, and you know, staying with the wide receiver position, Sac Francisco, I like the tag there. Who were some of your day three sleepers at the wide receiver position? I have so many. <laughs> if you if you want a big wide receiver, I think Nico Collins. I have a third round grade on him. He's probably going to go in the second round just because he's got so much upside. Um, but again, you know, if you want big guys, Simi me Fahilko out of Stanford. I think third or fourth round guy. I think Frank Darby. Again, he's more of a slot guy. Tutu Atwell, super tiny. A lot of people aren't wanting that. Amari Rogers, a lot of people like as well. But Sage Surratt. Oh my gosh, out of Wake Forest. I would love that dude in the third round at the very last pick. I mean, there's just so much there. K. Johnson, Tylen Wallace, Dwayne Eskridge. This is a crazy, deep, wide receiver class. So, if you're going to draft somebody in the second or third round, you better love them. You better have a plan for them because you're passing on a lot of guys that are out there. And there's more. I mean, the wide receiver position, it's, it's stupid this <laughs> year. It's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, let's go on to another question. This is from Angel Hernandez. He asked on Twitter, would you trade up for Caleb Farley if he falls? Man, I, I don't think it's going to happen too much. I think that there's going to be about half the teams in the NFL, 16 teams, you know, just off the top of my head, they're going to take him off their board completely. So that means he's going to, it just takes one or two teams that didn't take him off their board. Every single team's going to have a first round grade on this guy. He's, the upside's too much. Number three player on my big board if he was healthy. Not healthy. Takes a year off and then has back surgery. Yeesh. Uh, don't like that. You know, I saw somebody ask earlier, do you think D Ford's going to play? No, I think D Ford is done. I hope he does come back, and I appreciate how much he helped the 49ers with pushing off so much salary cap for a year. That was really, really cool. He didn't have to do that. Helped us out immensely. But, no. Um, so, Caleb Farley, will I trade up for him? I won't. I would not. Now, if he's there at 43, that's where I think you can do it because it's not costing you multiple picks. costing you one second rounder. If it pans out, holy cow. It's like a top five pick that you get for the following year. You hit a home run. If it doesn't work out, you lost a 43 pick. You know, this is about the exact same spot that, you know, the linebacker Jalen Smith for Notre Dame, whenever he had that huge knee injury, went to the Cowboys. And, you know, he sat for a year, then sat for a half of a year, then came out, got a second contract. It worked out for him. I think that's kind of the thing you're looking for there. Now, some people are saying, and, you know, Caleb Farley and his agent are saying, oh, teams, they're ready to go. They still have a first-round grade on them. We'll see. Don't be shocked whenever he's there day two. And, you know, for a team that's been hurt by back injuries, and this kid's young and a year off and then had to have surgery, that's my problem. Why not get the surgery taken care of, then, you know, go in there and do that. Uh, Seeing some question about TJ Vasher as well. Man, I have a seventh-round grade on TJ Vasher. I— I'm not a big fan. He's huge. 6'6", six, six, you know, basketball player, uh, goes and gets it wide receiver for Texas Tech. But his game film is bad. Um, it's really, really bad. However, he does fit that mold. You want that giant slot receiver, especially in the red zone? Yeah, I think you draft him in the sixth or seventh round, and you put him in on third downs, you put him in at the goal line, and you just allow him to do those things. But you know, we'll kind of have to see there. T.J. Vasher, he'd be a huge prospect project. But, yeah, he's got some traits that you really, really like. And so that's something that could be there. So back to Caleb Farley. I wouldn't trade up for him. He's there at 43. I'd take him. I would take him. Or trade back just like two or three spots, pick up an extra pick, then take him. I'd be cool with that too. But, again, is he going to be there? I don't think so. I think Caleb Farley probably is gone by the 25th pick. That's what I would think. Now, uh, one of the last things I want to talk about here the positional strengths of the 49ers heading into the draft. What do we have in the cupboard already? What do we have? What's in the pantry? And so I thought I'd break down these tiers into elite, good, average, and bad. Okay? Um, And just kind of put clusters of positions and talk through some of these things. Now, I, I will say this. 49ers got a pretty damn good team. 49ers got a pretty damn good roster. And a big reason... Why Kyle Shanahan was able to do this trade and do all these things is because their team's pretty damn solid. Now it's the NFL in the salary cap era. So you are going to have holes at a lot of positions. You can't get the depth that you want. But the 49ers are pretty stacked at several of them. So elite, you know, elite means top five in the NFL. I think that we have three elite groupings. Number one is the linebackers. I think this is strength of the team. We have the best linebacking core in the NFL. Obviously, Fred Warner, all pro linebacker last year. Greenlaw coming off back-to-back years of insane production. Um, I, I, th- I, Obviously, I'm president of the Drake Greenlaw Fan Club. I think that he has a higher ceiling than Fred Warner. I think he's already the best tackler in the NFL. He doesn't miss tackles. Um, great versus screens, all those things. He's got to add some pass coverage to his game, but we've seen it. We've seen it. So those two guys are a lot. Now, you got Aziz. You know, you go trade for Gary from uh, Jerry from, or you just signed Jerry from the Eagles. Those two guys are going to fight for that number three spot, and you've got a lot of depth behind them. Marcel Harris, if you want to put him in a linebacker, I think that's where he should play. Linebackers are just top-notch. Absolutely incredible. Can't wait to get Warner extended. That's going to take place this year, but not until training camp starts so just understand after the draft everybody's going to start clamoring pay fred warner just understand he will get paid he's going to very similar to what they did with um what's his name uh kittle But got away from to show up to training camp you start to establish a culture that hey we we don't hold out here in san francisco that's not what we do come to training camp we'll take care of you we'll pay you that's what's going to happen next elite group defensive line we've already talked about it Oh, my gosh, man. There is just depth, depth, depth. <laughs> we, we have so much. If you just let, let's, let's break it down. The edge guys, you got Nick Bosa, obviously one of the best in the NFL. In one year, coming off the entry. he looks great. Workouts look great. Excited to have Bosa back. Armstead's incredible. One of the best run-stopping defensive edge players. Not great at pass rush on the edge, but he is on the inside. We didn't get to push him inside much last year. Bring in Sam Bacham uh Ebucom, however you pronounce it uh super speed guy he's going to be in that d forward role you like that jordan willis i love that signing he is so good he he should start for several teams stayed with us it's a great fit and again he's going to get a lot of snaps then you got Arden key you just brought in we'll see that's kind of a swing for the fences pick and you know, if he doesn't make the roster that's okay that's a lot of guys defensive tackle good gosh javon kinlaw great DJ Jones, can't believe we got him back. Kevin Givens, we'll see what happens there. Maurice Hurst, awesome depth sign. Zach Kerr, we got a big anchor guy that we can put in there. It's just so much. You know, our alpha, our starters, you've obviously got Bosa, DJ Jones, Javon Kinlaw, Eric Armstead. They're out there to start the game. Third down, you switch to our NASCAR package Bosa, Hurst, Armstead, um, Ebucon. Like, that's incredible. That's absolutely perfect. That D line. You talk to the Bravo unit. You know our B, our B linemen, our backups. Jordan Willis. You've got Zach Kerr, You've got Hurst. You've got Sam Babakum. We didn't even mention Given Street or Arden Key working in there. So you've got three guys that don't even have a role, and so they'll go in and get you know five to ten snaps a game. Those three guys. So much depth. This is the way you want to draw it out. And the competition for who makes this roster, just like last year. You remember, Kerry Heider, he was the last person to make the roster last year. And that dude went out there and led the team in sacks, got a huge contract. I hate that it's with Seattle. But, man, yeah, it's got to be tough. And this room is stacked. It's elite. It is elite. We have a top five defensive line group in the NFL. It's not even close. We don't have a lot of those top tier guys. Bosa's the head front, you know, he kind of leads it, but we need, yeah, it'd be nice if we had Buckner, I'm with you, Uh, long live Buckner, he's incredible, glad he got paid, Uh, glad he got paid, next group, this is the last elite uh, group that I have, and some people disagreed with me on this on Twitter, I like disagreements, the tight end group, anytime you got George Kittle who is the best, or if you don't want to say he's the best, he's at least top two In the NFL, and the tight end position is so difficult. It's so difficult to get a good tight end. Kittle's that damn good. You got Dwelly. You got Warner. You still need another body in there. You know, I don't think Helm's going to be around. He's a practice squad guy, just in case guy. But anytime you have Kittle, that's a top five group. So I put them in the elite category. Good. Let's go good. Uh, Good is basically that 5 to 14 range around there. So you're better than average, but not elite. I think our offensive line's up there. I know we 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 have a lot of flack and it's easy to get mad at our old line, especially last year with McGlinchy struggling all those things. But we have the best left tackle in football. Our center is really, really good. He's old, but he's still really, really good. Somebody just said Armstead's garbage. Armstead's not garbage. He's one of the best run defenders. Out there, if you want sacks and pressure, yeah, that's not his game, never has been his game, especially from the outside. We had so many injuries, he had to play edge when we didn't want to play him at edge. Armstead's not garbage, he is absolutely one of the reasons why Fred Warner had the all pro season that he had was because (laughs) Armstead's taken up all of those blocks up front. Um, so yeah, you could is Armstead as good as Buckner? Hell no, he's not. Did he get paid near as much as Buckner? Not even close, not even close. I know there's you know one sports jur- journalist that puts that thread out there. It's straight trash. Like If you watch the film, Armstead is not garbage. Uh, I, I don't understand how anybody could have that take. Um, they're not even close to the same contract. Um, anyway, I, I digress. Offensive line, I think it's good. Um, Mike McGlinchey, again, Mike McGlinchey is <laughs> Eric Armstead. They're very, very similar in the fact that they're great – in the run game, they struggle in the pass game. And really, the struggling with the pass game with Mike McGlinchey is relatively new. His rookie year, he was great. He, he was really, really good. He's got to step that up. And this this year is huge for McGlinchey. Going to be a contract year. Uh, you know, Going into that fifth year, they're going to pick up the fifth year option for sure. That's going to happen. But we'll have to see what happens. But when you have the best left tackle, you've got center that's part of the all-decade team. <laughs> you've got left guard Tomlinson, who's just been stalwart since Kyle Shanahan showed up. The right guard is really the only spot. And if, again, McGlinchey takes a step forward, this is going to be good. I think, I think we're probably in that kind of 8-10 to 10 range whenever you look at offensive lines. And so it's a good group. Wide receivers, man, I struggle with this. I got them in the good category, but man, we're so damn top heavy. Brandon Ayuk and Debo are great, and if you want to throw in George Kittle, you know, part of that receiving team, that's great. There's nobody after our top two wide receivers. It's just a bunch of guys, Jags, sitting there. Maybe somebody steps up, maybe. But yeah, it's just it, it's it's. I think it's a good unit. Iuk um, and Debo, they're so damn good. I just don't know who the wide receiver three is. That's why I. I I really do think we're going to draft one in the second or third round. It just makes too much sense. It really, really does. Um, now, average groups, these are kind of like that 15 to 20. Like they're They're all right. They're all right. Running backs, and a lot of people didn't like this. I think we're decent, but I don't think we have really anything too special. Obviously, Mostert's a big game breaker. He gets injured all the time. But even Mostert. Shooters with five teams, undrafted free agent. Wasn't good anywhere until he gets put with Kyle Shanahan. And this is kind of the magic that is Shanahan, right? Because he can just plug anybody into the running back position, and they're just incredible. But you can look up and down the line. Mostert, undrafted free agent. Wilson, undrafted free agent. Hasty, undrafted free agent. Austin Walter, undrafted free agent. You bring over Wayne Gallman, he's a fourth rounder. There's not a lot of elite talent, but Shanahan makes him great. Do I think that we'll draft a running back? Man, late day three, maybe. It would be awesome if we could get somebody, but man, uh, like you can't spend that draft capital whenever you manufacture so much production from that position just as a coach. So I don't think we look to upgrade that too much. I think you bring in an undrafted free agent or two, that's about it. Secondary, you know, we can break this down separately, but I think our safeties are good. In deep, okay. Ward, Tarverius, Moore, Tart, Marcel Harris, if you want to put them there. You know, looking at bringing in maybe Harrison as well. Uh, sorry, Tony Jefferson. There's some talent there. I really, really like it. We don't have any elite guys. Corners, they're good, but no depth. Varet Mosley, K1. I love those guys. As starters, there's nobody afterwards. So that's why I kind of downgraded that there. It's still in the average category but not in the good category because we don't have depth. We're going to get corners hurt. They play every damn play. Secondary don't come off the field. The only one that does is your nickel. So Emmanuel Mosley, you're you're looking at Verrett. You're looking at all those. You mean you tell me Mr. Glass, Jimmy Ward gets hurt? Like you've got to get some depth at that corner position because we just don't have it. And quarterbacks. Again, I've got them uh, just average. Jimmy is the number 14 quarterback in the NFL for me. That's where I see him. We're upgrading that. Now, after this draft, yeah, I think you're going to bump that up to, you know, from average to good. And who knows? You know, if that that home run pick, I think we're going to be okay. I think we're going to be okay at that position. But, yeah, we're still off. Still off a little bit. Um, Man, I see this question, Chris. Any chance trading up to get the Californian running back, Najee Harris? He's fun to watch, man. He He's really, really good, but I just don't see it. Uh, I know that there's been contact between the 49ers and Najee Harris, and Najee Harris has been out saying he really thought the 49ers were going to pick him, but I just don't see it. I don't even think he'll be there at 43. So as you said, you'd have to trade up to get him. I don't want to spend draft capital like that, even a second-round pick on a running back, let alone trading up to get him. So for me, that's no, um, I, I don't know. Uh, Daryl says, I would not give McGlinchey that fifth-year option at $10 million. Um it's gonna happen. Kyle Shannon's already said he's gonna do it. There's and what else would you do? Let's say you don't pick it up. I I, I don't know. I mean, 10 million is not bad for a right tackle. Still a pretty cheap deal. They get paid a lot. Look what we just paid Trent. Now he's nowhere in that category. I understand that. But tackles get paid. And so that's kind of the rough one. That's the rough one. Uh now here's another question right here that I liked, and it kind of goes with what we're talking about. At home, dude asked me. Pick two players that you think will make the biggest jump this year. Man, Mike McGlinchey and Javon Kinlaw. I think those are it. There's so much to McGlinchey's game that's so good. The run game, he's so damn good. He fits exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. He's just got to get some more weight in his britches, man. <laughs> those bull rushes from nickelbacks, he's got to get lower. He's got to sink his hips a little bit more and take those hits on. So that's one of the things that I think he needs. So I I've got I've got Mike McGlinchey improving, and if he does, whew, man, watch out. And then Javon Kinlaw. Love me some Javon Kinlaw. He proved everything. Again, what is the premise of everything the 49ers do? Amazing in the run game on offense, stop the run game on defense. Then you work on the other things, and those two guys are paramount to that. Mike McGlinchey, one of the best run blockers. Javon Kenlaw, one of the best run stoppers. I mean, dude's an anchor. Takes double teams on as well as anybody in the NFL. But if he can increase both of these guys in the passing game, watch out. Kenlaw can get some pass rush production. Watch out. And McGlinchey can start anchoring and not have those two or three just terrible plays a game in the pass game. Watch out. But I, I like it. I, I could see both those guys just taking step ups. Uh, Brian, appreciate the gift, my friend. Um, He said tight end prospects for day three, Hunter Long, John Bates, Briley Moore, Trey Kittle. Yeah, keep them out. Yeah, I love this. There's a lot of tight ends. There really, really are. And so, you know, a lot of people are enamored with Tommy Trimble. Again, I think it's too much of a luxury pick for somebody that's only going to be playing about 20 snaps a game. You know, we have Kyle Juszczyk. We have George Kittle. We got Dwelly, And so I, I think you need another body. And you could take somebody later that's just going to be kind of tough. And, you know, you went you went through a whole list of them. There's a lot of them. And uh, there's just Hunter Long from Boston College. I think that he's one of those guys, 6'5", uh, fifty-four, that I think you can get in the fourth round or fifth round if he falls. And, man, he's like an extra blocker. And I think that's what the 49ers want. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate the gift, brother. Um, now, I put this question. This will be the last thing we we end with today. Who is the worst pick ever for the 49ers? And a little recency bias here. I can only do four options. So I went with Ruben Foster, Kenton Palmer, Solomon Thomas, and A.J. Jenkins. All of this to wrap up and basically say this. The results were pretty interesting. A.J. Jenkins won handily 56%. Um, over 2,000 votes. And the conversation that took place in the comments was a lot of fun. A.J. Jenkins had the most votes. Solomon Thomas, second with 22%. Ken Balmer and Ruben Foster had 10.6%. Exact same amount. Over 2,000 votes. It's pretty crazy that they, they hit the things. And what, what I thought was interesting, I see a big heck. The arguments that people made for all of these people were 100% spot on. A.J. Jenkins was a first-round wide receiver that never had a catch for the 49ers. That's as bad as he gets. He shunned the GOAT. Jerry Rice wanted to work out with him, and he said, no. What the hell's wrong with this kid? Like, yeah, we traded him. We swapped him for another wide receiver, John Baldwin, and whatever else. But he was picked late of the first round, 29th or 30th, I think, whatever. You look at Solomon Thomas, he was picked third overall. Solomon Thomas was a much better pro. He made a second contract than A.J. Jenkins. So whenever you're just looking at play on the field, you say, oh, yeah, this guy, wide receiver, never had a catch. He's way worse. But what did you pass up? We we missed Alshon Jeffrey by picking AJ Jenkins. That was the guy that was still on the board. Solomon Thomas, we missed, you know, two of the best quarterbacks of the NFL. And so I think that's key there. Kentwan Palmer, Ruben Foster, yeah, whatever. It's interesting for sure. But the reason why I brought this up and why I wanted to close the show out for this, I think AJ Jenkins was the worst, but man, I totally get to Solomon. You know, I'm Solomon Thomas is such a great human being, too. So it, it's rough Like, he contributed to the locker room, the culture, all those things, the community. He did so many positive things. He had some sacks. I think he had four sacks in his four years. Whatever. Um, But such a cool dude. A.J. Jenkins, that dude sucked from start to finish, on off the field. He was just trash. Uh, (laughs) But every team in the NFL makes terrible picks. We're at three overall. Do I think we're going to make a terrible pick? I don't. I still believe it's going to be Trey Lance, but if it's not, hopefully you join us, and we are live, days one and two on the draft, right here on YouTube, on YouTube, um, go hit subscribe, man, 49ers Rush, we we have jumped up, man, Th- this week, we've increased by almost a thousand subscribers, you know, almost up to 7,000 on YouTube, so really appreciate that, show's taken off, uh, and a lot of it's just because of you guys, you guys put out awesome questions, it's easy to formulate the show and kind of go through stuff, And it's building into community and I love that so come hang out with us come have a good time Let's talk. We got giveaways galore. We got brandon. IU jersey because of all the uh, because of the freaking Hot takes all the hot takes and all that stuff that's going on Um, I freaking love it. We got two gift cards. We're giving out two fifty dollar gift cards day two of the draft We're giving away another jersey. So come we've got a drinking game. We're gonna have clips highlights all that stuff 49er centric draft broadcast. It's gonna be there for you as well it's it's freaking awesome. I'm so excited. A few short days away. Also do have to say for our Patreon members for our Jerry Rice tier, we have our week our monthly hangout this week, Wednesday night, the night before the draft QA. Just talking over some things over Zoom. So again, if you want to join and support us, head over to Patreon.com 49ers Rush Podcast, Jerry Rice Tier. Join that. We'll be hanging out Wednesday. All the information is already uploaded on there. If you have any questions, reach out to me. We're gonna have a good time. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. I know it was a long episode, but, man, why not? (laughs) It's Sunday. We don't have football, so let's talk football, right? Appreciate it, and as always, stay strong, faithful.
0: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the insight